What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Writing Friction. And as always, today's guest is pretty cool. Everyone say hello to Jacob Guanzon. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm just chilling, man. Uh, we were talking before the podcast. People might know there's nothing behind me. I'm not in prison. Uh, I'm just in a new apartment, although the last one kind of felt like prison. I was in like a small studio, but now I'm in a pretty legit one bedroom. Yeah, it's um, very Spartan. Looks good. SF, man. It's SF living, dude. You kind of got to get, you know, while well, the going's good. Uh, but you're, you don't live in SF. Where are you right now? Right now, I'm up. Uh, I'm in New York. I live uh, in Sugar Hill, a nice little corner of Harlem, like way, way up north. But um, yeah, I love this neighborhood. So been here. This is going to be my sixth year, year now. Um, and I feel like staying put. Don't know where else to go. So uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So I'm assuming you're not from there originally. Mm-mm. Where are you from originally? Oh. Originally, uh, I'm from Minnesota. I grew grew up in Minnesota, born in, like born in Long Island, but I tell everybody I'm from uh, Minnesota. And uh, yeah, grew up between Minneapolis, South Minneapolis, the Powderhorn neighborhood, if anybody knows it, and then Egan, just about a ten minute drive down to the Burbs where my dad was. So you know that uh, joint custody life. Okay, and, yeah, uh, fair enough. I mean, I had parents <laughs> who stuck it out till I was 14 and then they decided to hate each other and split up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I grew up I grew up in Jersey. We were talking about that before. Um, interesting, you say Minnesota. I mean, you don't have any of, I mean, that's one of the most distinct accents in America. You but yet I don't hear it when you say Minnesota. Oh, I, I think I actively try to no minimize. Oh, yeah, I can do it. I can I mean, it's a, it's like over the top when to do it, but <laughs> you know, I, it, it's and you know, people don't really always talk like that either. Just like people have seen the movie Fargo and like to, you know, take the piss. But really, you know, well, it's I mean, fairly neutral accent. Yeah, yeah. The, the longer I live, I I'm sorry. The longer I no longer live in New Jersey, the thicker my Jersey accent becomes. Yeah. It's weird. Like I say, like when I say dog coffee. Like it comes out yeah. so thick now. People immediately they're like, what? Like, <laughs> It, well, it's cool to have that, like, you know, that flavor, yeah, especially when you're in a different place. It kind of blends in wherever you're, you know, when you're back home. But Yeah, no, you know, for sure, man. I'm sure. I, I mean, I, I pick up the vibe that maybe your dude who's kind of traveled a little bit. Um, Maybe you haven't. But, I mean, being from, you know, where we're from, at least, you know, New York City, Jersey, I mean, anywhere I go, I'm always a little different, w- whether it's good or bad. It's usually not bad it's bad but uh you know um but yeah i mean how did you you know what was your life growing up like i mean were you in minnesota new york did you bounce around yeah um man wasn't expected to get talk per, like about myself but you know but i can do a little bit I, you know grew up between the burbs and, and minneapolis and so you know ha- having that kind of difference of you know very different kind of environs really tuned me into just paying attention to how differently people live. And I think that's really reflected in the book itself and um, ended up uh, and it did make it to college. And, um, but that was kind of a surprise. It wasn't always in the plans, you know, I was thinking about maybe community college or whatever. And, you know, this qu- crazy turn of events, a friend's car breaking down and me taking her to uh, what's it called? The guidance counselor's office. And it's like, you know, you, our applications are free and you can do this. And yeah. it's like, I ended up getting a pretty close to a full ride and college happened. And, you know, I'd been working as a landscaper for, you know, through high school. Minnesota. And yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doing the summers, but then once I was out of school, I was figured, you know, I befriended all the guys on the crew and 
It's like, this works, you know, I can maybe take some classes on the side, but I'm not dropping 30 K to study. That's just ridiculous. But then the college made it happen. And, and, you know, that just changed my life. It it opens doors. Right. And so it was a really bizarre experience seeing all my buddies on the crew, just keep going one way and then things opening up for me. And I, right after college, I, uh, you know, um, it was, you know, it was the height of the financial crisis, 2008, when, when I graduated did you graduate high school, uh, Oh, Oh seven. Wait. Yeah. I'm mixing up my numbers. Oh seven. And then I graduated college like 2010, 2011. Yeah. Okay, and yeah, I'm, I'm two years older than you. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, but after that, you know, I never did got to do the study abroad thing that looked amazing. So got a job out in Madrid, you know, teaching English, like everybody, you know, well, everybody, you know, foreigners out there. Everybody right? with your haircut does. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, stuck it out there for like four years and, uh, um, and then came back to New York or came were, back to the States after four years out there. You were in Madrid the entire time for four years. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. I uh, fell in love with that city. It's a phenomenal yeah, I've, place. I've been to Bar- Barcelona, um, yeah. but I've never <laughs> been to Madrid. I haven't had the chance to go there. I mean, Spain is, it's phenomenal. Yeah, they, they've I, got it figured out. <laughs> I really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the first. I mean, I've you know I've had the opportunity to travel the world in many different ways, but mm-hmm. Spain was the only place I've ever seen an actual siesta. Mm-hmm. But where I mean, two to four, whatever time it will. I mean, the entire city ah. shut. It shut nothing. Nothing. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like three hour, like two three hour lunch breaks. You know, and people they live close to the office. They'll go home. I I definitely. I lived close to the academy I taught at, and I would chuck a little siesta on the days I, I had I had a longer break, depending on my schedule. And it's a good way to live because you're going to be up late, and you know. Well, that was the next sense. thing I was going to say. My experience, my other experience of Barcelona was you, uh, we didn't even leave. You know, I was probably staying in a hostel at that point. We didn't leave the hostel for dinner. Yeah. Until like ten thirty, eleven o'clock at oh, night. That's when you course. left to go to dinner. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that's just the rhythm. And it it makes sense. And, you know, I have a lighter dinner and, you know, and it it, it takes a little bit of adjusting to, but once you get into that rhythm, it's just, uh, you know, have your your big meal for lunch and just kick it and then, you know, peek out and a little bit, have some like little tapas and stuff for, for dinner. You know, it's, it's a good life. It's, it, it's, it's almost a really like a catering hall on island. It's the exact same thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when did you kind of start taking for your first cracks at writing? I mean, did you go to college for it? I mean, what, you know, I see the guitars behind you. Or have you been always a creative dude? You know, I, I played guitar since I was 10 years old. I don't, I don't know how long you've been playing, but. Um, yeah, dude, I, those are, the, well, they're my roommates. And um, no, I mean, okay, I did dabble. I did dabble. I was going to, I got it. I got to move those things, you know, they're just <laughs> like pretty, but I, I dabble, but um, <laughs> like, I feel like such a poser every time I get on a Zoom call because I'm, you know, I'm just shit. in the living room. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm calling you out on it, but I'm sure other yeah. people won't say shit. They'll probably say, oh, I really like those guitars. But, I mean, I see oh, the horn, I'm going to ask. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what do you play? Um, I play, I mean, I play electric guitar. Uh, I mean, I moved to San Francisco to, to play in band oh, cool. um, and I ended up touring with that band from 2011 to 2015 ish. Um, 
and around well to answer the question that I asked you to answer myself, I that's when I started writing when that band broke up and I stopped touring heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I've been a huge reader my whole life, yeah. um, and the way I approached music had always been, well, if someone else can do this, I can do it too. Um, yeah. And having read books forever um, and seeing how books work, that's mm-hmm. how I kind of you know got into it. Um, can the same be said for you? I mean, what, what was it, you know, how did you, again, like, how did you first? Yeah. I mean, I, I had, I had always written, even since I was a kid, um, I'd always like journaled. And I think it was about high school. I started taking my first little stabs at trying to write short, you know, stories and, and that kind of stuff. And, it was always a fun release, you know, I, I really enjoyed it and just kind of helped me make sense of things, but never actively pursued it because um, it just seemed so far-fetched for somebody of my background, to be perfectly honest. And it's especially with like... What do you mean by that? Um, just growing up middle class and knowing I had to work, you know, it's just... it. There's you're not making any money writing these things. And I still got a day job and not, not saying I like, I, I mean, now I'm, I got a book deal. That, that was, it's still insane. Not only that, you know, I think getting an agent was the craziest thing for me to, to be perfectly honest. I like that was like, that felt real. Um, because that, and that was a lot harder because I guess the agent was my agent, Chris, you know, bless him, bless him fucking fought for me. And, um, and dude, I, and, and believed in the book for, before anybody, you know, even before I kind of did, but I just finished this thing and it was like, well, I got to give it a shot. Right. But, but it just had always seemed so impossible to me, you know, going, going into libraries, going into bookstores and just seeing the names of, you know, these people I regarded as, you know, this short of God, you know, because they just, they blew my mind in so many, in so many ways to, so to imagine, you know, Jacob Wands on a, on a spine and, you know, the bookstore is just, it's just so beyond the realms of plausibility for me. And I'm still coming to terms with it. So immensely grateful. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, well, I mean, I pick up, I pick up on what you're saying, dude, because, you know, I I come from a similar background, you know, lower middle class, North Jersey, you know, no one in my life was ever ever telling me you could do something other than either work in the union or, Mm -hmm. you know, like be a plumber or like go to college and learn how to be, you know, uh, an accountant. Like that was it. So, you know, when I told my father that I was, I was working, all right, I'll I'll give you a little, my info at 23, dude, I was working in Fort Lee, Mm -hmm. you know, right over the GW. Literally right across the bridge from me. Yeah. Soon as you get over the bridge, there's two buildings. There's the Port Authority building mm-hmm. and the fucking building I worked in. And I worked on the top floor for some financial company, dude. And I was 23. And I'm like, if I'm gonna do this the rest of my life, I'm gonna walk to that window and I'm not even gonna jump. I'm just gonna fall out limply. Yeah. Um, the thing was for me and doing this podcast, you know, it's been blowing my mind how many people have come to writing it from so many different angles. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and we're kind of taught in a way, the, the traditional way of you go to college, you get your MFA, you go to this writer's workshop. Oh yeah. This thing. Um, so yeah, you know, people are going to be stoked to hear you talk about that for sure. Yeah. Oh, but dude, I, I mean, I don't want to like miss 
lead anybody because I did go to grad school. I did do yeah, the no, MFA sure. thing, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like that was delayed. Some, you know, you don't have to be oh, okay. Rockefeller family to do it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and that was a huge decision for me too, because it's like, how do you justify these prices? But it's like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I, well, that's just, another question to ask because, again, we I've had this conversation many times in the podcast uh-huh. with people who have done the MFA program and whether it you know helped them out or whether it didn't help. You know, and some people have kind of come out of it different ways. I mean, how did you come out of it, and what program did you attend? Yeah, uh, I was I went to Columbia, and um, that's what brought me into New York. Is like I got the acceptance letter, and it's like, God damn, that, that's nuts! And like, of course, I'm gonna go for it regardless of the price tag it's imaginary money anyway like it's yeah once the fafsa cleared people think of it right there's no way they're gonna get this money back i keep telling you know there's it's i I laugh when i look at my debt it's just like okay okay it's 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 just a mind-boggling figure and so uh, it's going to follow me wherever I go. I won't be able to get a mortgage any day. But, I f- well, you know. I feel like nowadays, maybe publishers here in this podcast, I feel like maybe book deals now should have a little part of it being like, you know, <laughs> some of this goes off to paying your student loan. Uh, debt. That'd you, be if nice. You, if you had to go to school to learn how to do this. Yeah, uh, I wish. Uh, it was, I mean, that would be a really nice part for, for them to include. But I mean, I got it like, but just selling the book in the first place was like, the you know, not getting a day job after after grad school and like getting the the book de- book deal you know it's like it, it's it's settled my life in a way I was just talking about this last weekend where you know like I'm I'm financially out of the the red for the first I'm not counting the debt but just like kind of like I'm not ripping about bills and so I mean so much of that went into the book too was just that that the state and obviously not in dire situations, a dire situation is in the book, but I didn't think it'd be interesting for somebody to read about some idiot who went to grad school to study creative writing. Like my story's not interesting, but like, let's talk about, let's take that psychology and put it into a character whose story actually does matter and is far too ubiquitous, far too common for a country as rich as ours, you know? So that's why um, part of the thinking that went into that because like i yeah my privilege well, is not fucking interesting you know well i mean there's there's two things there's there's two interesting things you're saying there um you know first thing is you know you're we're fiction right i'm a writer too you know we, you write fiction to create a universe that you know is something that maybe is not your existence but the first thing you said was interesting because i was listening to something today and someone said the exact same thing oh shit i was re-listening to what i did i did a podcast with walter mosley okay and i produced this podcast so i have to listen to these podcasts over and over and i was re-listening to do the clip and he was talking about the exact same thing where it's like you have a lot of times where these authors go to these workshops or do these things they end up writing about a writer at a workshop and yeah yes you have your hands up in your air yeah can you explain that oh well i mean don't get me wrong there are a lot of uh, great stories about writers you know (laughs) like i i because i I, i'm gonna get lambasted if i say all books of all stories about writers are trash but man i just i couldn't put myself through that let alone you know put yeah, I, I, I mean, and again, writing up until, you know, reaching a deal with Grey Wolf 
was always just something for me, not some, something for me, but, you know, you always got to remind yourself when, when you're alone and toiling away at something and putting, like, putting way too much energy into something that is likely never going to get, make, see the light of day. And right? time. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hours upon hours. I, don't, I, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm cooped up in here a lot, <laughs> a lot. And, you know, and, but it's, it's my decision and I, I still love it. I'm not trying to, like, complain about how, how, uh, how much time I put into it. But at the same time, I always have, you always got to remind yourself you're your first reader. And if you're not digging it, like when you're reading it back to yourself and, you know, after you've polished it up, it's like nobody else is going to dig it either. Right. So that, that, that kind of really helped me motivate myself. And I sure as shit didn't want to read about another writer, you know, um, I, at least at this time phase of my life, uh, who knows? I mean, like, cause I could just be put, making my a hypocrite of myself 10 years down the road when I do write a book about a writer or something, but at, for, for in the foreseeable future, I don't, I don't see myself doing anything like that because I don't know. I don't necessarily see it as problematic. I just think it's a, the, the market's a bit saturated with the, those stories because it's, you know, it's, it, you know, they say, write what you know, and that's true to some extent. It's a bit cliche, but um, yeah. Uh, well, I, I want to piggyback off of something you said because I'm struggling with it right now. Okay. Um, you know, you know nothing. You know about as much about me as I know about you. So yeah. I, um, I wrote a novella, and it was published. February of last year, like three weeks before the world shut down. Um, you know, like a short little book about a boxing gym in Jersey City. Cool. Um, I'm at the end of my first novel. Well nice. done. There are days I wake up and think this is the biggest piece of shit ever written. Yada, yada, yada. And having done enough of these podcasts, I know I'm not alone thinking that. Most authors think that. Mm -hmm. Um what you said though was interesting and I'm trying to reinforce it with myself is you, you worded it differently and I'll say how you said it. You said you first, you're your first reader. Yeah. If you're not digging it, no one else is going to dig it. So on the days that I'm working on this, and again, you know, if we're using percentages, I'm at 98% done before I send it to my editor and I start querying it. Mm -hmm. At this point, when I'm reading it back, I'm telling myself, I, I write with a humorous tone and I, I uh, over the top funny humor yeah. in my writing. Um, you know, I obviously I know I'm not Colson Whitehead, I'm not John Updike, but I, I can, but I'm writing in a way right now when I'm reading it back and I'm thinking to myself, if, if, if it doesn't make me laugh every time or if I'm not, if I have to stop and think about, if I'm not just reading through it, something's wrong. And until I can get to the point where I just read through it once and I don't even stop to think about it, then in my mind, it's done. Um, when did you, you – how did you get around that idea or when did you reinforce that idea in yourself of you're your first reader? And when did you know when your first book was done? <laughs> Ooh. Well, I think I, one, th one of the biggest things about – you know that – Benef big, biggest benefits of going to an MFA is that you'll make you'll make friends and meet writers, meet writers, and and also more importantly for at least your own development are uh, other readers, right? Because they're they're people who can 
who get your vibe and know what you're going for, but it will be able to call you out on either your slip ups or your also your bullshit too. It's like, yeah, you like that. And, and that's one of my biggest pr- pr- uh, problems myself because I, I, I can be a bit hyperbolic in the first drafts. Like I like, I like big potent, you know, uh, like really urgent feeling stories. Right. And some, and like, it's like, oh, hovering around those guardrails of uh, plausibility well the, it's flimsy but you can you know whip over and once you do like the reader closes the book and you're done so you really got to find that nice balance and that's why having- i hated games of game of thrones as soon as the dragon came on the girl's shoulder i'm like i'm out yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean i don't have any dragons in abundance so i'm, I'm sorry to disappoint the, anybody listening out there but you know i mean like that's the thing Not that's the thing trust me on that yeah yeah <laughs> but you know finding finding people that and also you know after you've also had people whose opinion you respect go through your stuff over and over you're you i don't know about you but like i have quite a few that i really really trust and i've almost developed like this kind of extra lens especially in editing i'd, I'd say Ten percent is writing. Ten percent of my time goes to writing. The other ninety percent is revision. You know, throwing away things and t- tightening up and idea formation and rewrites. But, um, but I've kind of developed their their voices in my hands. Like, what are you doing there, Jacob? Come on, you can't you can't do that. It's like, all right, I'm sorry. And uh, and so and that that and so once I've kind of you know appeased those voices in my heads. And uh, and gotten some like quality feedback. Then then you hit that point where it's like, okay, I can't do anything else with it. Let's let's try shopping it to a broader audience, and you know, hit up literary magazines, and you know, there's all sorts of ways to get your stuff out there before you know you, you lock down uh, you know so an agent who's like excited about your work, and and even crazier, a publisher who's excited about the work and committed to it. Like Gray Wolf was you know is they're incredible and 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 committed sorry just going on a tangent about the publisher but these guys are just so committed to like the quality of the art like that's that's and like seeing that it was it was sure it's a business decision in the long run i guess but i mean like first and foremost to to everybody there um like steve and fiona were you know let's this is art you know and that kind of approach was like the cover art uh, Oh no! Just like treating uh, the novel itself as like mm. as art, not a product. You know, not something we're gonna you know ship up, make look pretty, and crank out. You know, send it into the world. It's like no, we're gonna refine this thing and like get it. And uh, and that's that's the kind of approach I appreciate. You know, so yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, it's it sounded like it was a pretty smooth course, kind of getting it out there. Um, how was it once it was in the publisher's hands? How was that feedback? You know, I mean, was that a comfortable process for you? Oh or yeah. Was there a lot of revision in that, in that end? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we went through at least three or four drafts just back and forth of, you know, and, and there was really only one, the Walmart chapter, the, the Walmart scene at the very end was St- Steve, my editor, Steve Woodward had, the, a brilliant idea of like how to like split the, what was originally one ch- like long ass chapter into two and like pinpointed 
the place, like just the sweet spot of like how to like uh, stagger these two originally two chapters into four, and and I think the the pacing of them is just like it's it, it was a stroke of genius on on his part, and and um, and yeah, like and from there that was like the only big big edit, but but also just like tightening up the language and like thinking really hard about certain images that that were coming that are or like uh excuse me like like recurring motifs you know there's a lot of like these echoes i'm a big sucker for those kind of easter eggs and in, in, in novels where it's just like oh my god that that little thing came up here and they go you know, 100 pages later that's nifty and so and and he had a brilliant eye for that as well and um and just really making sure those like recurring beats like those echoes really land when they reappear right and he had just a brilliant ear for that. And, um, and, and I'm down, I'm always down for feedback, you know, like, um, and I was so glad I, at first when, you know, the, the initial deal was struck is like back in 2019, spring of 2019. And they said, Oh, we're, you know, we'll slate it for March, 2021. I was like, are you kidding me? The two years I got to wait for this. Dude. And yeah. Yeah. Continue. Um, yeah. And it just, it felt so long, but it made, you know, gave us a little bit more time to, process it at a much more leisurely rate and also cope with you know a world in lockdown a world under, you know under a pandemic and you know how do we you know share our love for books when everything has been upturned i mean people are turning to books but also getting the word out because there's no book tours or anything happening so like switching to the virtual events and it sounds like we've transitioned well but i can't it feels terrible for people who had you know their debuts in march or you know that you know this time of year last year and just like get so excited and boom it's you know sorry i mean you know. you're, you're you're literally looking at him uh <laughs> that happened to you do my book came out february 12th 2020 no no san francisco i did my first i so for people, all right. So people, yeah, you don't, yeah, you know nothing about me. Uh, I queried that book. I, I sell. I I self published it. I queried it. Uh -huh. Got I got seventy three official rejections, and all the rejections were basically saying nobody can sell a novella. I get it. It's what it is. All good. Um, but I, I'm like, you know what? Like you said, I want to see my book. I'm I'm a musician. I put. I've gotten records in record stores. I I know how to get shit done. Yeah, yeah. I want to see my book in a bookstore. I can do this myself. So I did, and I did it. So I booked my own tour, just like I booked all my old tours before. Dude, I had like 12, 15 dates all along the West Coast, all of March. Wow. Did a reading in SF. Like the night people, like where you couldn't shake hands anymore. Like they made like some official, you had like elbow bump, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I did my reading. Half the people who were going to show up didn't show up. Um, and then everything just fell to shit. I'm looking at a box that I moved up of 550 author copies in my book. Oh man, that hurts. Brutal. That hurts. But you know what? I, you know what, man, for me, I think it's at the end of the day, I think it's going to be the best thing that might've ever happened to me in regards to my writing. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I started this podcast, which is now kind of taking on a whole life of its own For and sure. it gave me more opportunity to work on this next book 
Mm-hmm. Um, so my question to you is, you know, you had mentioned, you know, it took, takes two years to get this book out into the world. Mm-hmm. How quickly or if at all, did you start writing the next book? <laughs> oh man, I had, I'd already started this one that I'm working on, or, you know, it's like scraping together some notes into like, um, around the time that really when I signed with Chris, that my agent was when I was already kind of these ideas were percolating. Right. And so, and, and, and once like abundance was off out of my hands and, you know, and he did, he did some really great edits as well. He, you know, we did quite, uh, I think two rounds of revision before we even started shopping it. And also a brilliant editor. I mean, like a just great reader. I've just, I've just been so fortunate with like the talented people in my life. And, um, but Meanwhile, while it was in his hands, what did I have to do? So it's like, I'm going to just going to start running with this next thing. And, um, and again, I did, I was kind of thinking it was going to be on the smaller side, but it has just unraveled into something, something wild and fun and exciting. And, um, you know, um, but yeah, anyway, you know, if I have the creative space for something, I'm going to, I'm going to dive into a new project. I just, I, it's a, it's a compulsion almost the, the that that writer's itch I, you know I've never since since you know actually starting to pursue this you know making the decision to do the MFA and whatever it's like I've never had writer's block you know I I and I I you know knock on wood but I I've, it's just like damn there's so much to, there's so much material there's so many ideas and it's like just keep that fire burning and I'll rest when I get a chance and. If that writer's box hits, it's like, okay, I'll chill for a sec. But until then, I'm going to keep keep gunning it, you know? I agree with everything you're saying a million percent. I think writer's block is bullshit. Um, I think it's bullshit because if you write every day, there's nothing blocking you. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, right? that, that, that's how I think of it. But I'm also the kind of guy, too, where there's, you know, there's, if you have so many ideas in your head, how can you suppress ideas to just work on? I mean, we have authors and we have creatives on this podcast who can only just, not only, but they, well, they, they choose to only just do one thing at a time, dude. And in my yeah. mind, I'm like, I have 17 books already written in my head. Right. Um, how can you how can you i have to there's not enough time in the day to do no. all these projects i want to do yeah and i mean that, and that's the thing time is a luxury you know like having the the that and i think about it you know if i were to have stuck around in minnesota and you know st- like I, I don't know what i would have been doing but if i just think about you know having work like doing manual labor kind of thing and there's no way in hell I would have had the energy, let alone, t- you know, I would have had the time on the weekend, but not the energy to work, right? Because we, I get all my writing done on the weekends, you know? And, and like, I feel so privileged that my time isn't inter- interrupted by exhaustion and back pain and, you know, whatever it is that, you know, t- stopped me from doing anything creative on the weekends, you know, back in, back in Minnesota. So, um, so yeah, it's all, it's always like this crazy reality check to just be grateful for the time and not let and not squander it, you know? E- like even if I'm not feeling all that motivated, maybe a little hungover, whatever it is on Saturday morning, it's like I'm just going to scrape myself out of bed and get shit done because I'm going to hate myself come, you know, 8 9 p.m. and I have I, I didn't try and put plant my ass in the desk chair and do some work because 
what else is meaningful in this life, you know, at least uh, personally. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, um, I write in the mornings before work. I get up, okay. I get up extra early. You're a badass. Yeah. I, I own my own business. I own a dog walking business. Okay, so, cool. You know, I own the business, right? So I can kind of, I'm a little flexible with it, but I know like you're saying, but dude, that's why I schedule these podcasts in the evening. Cause when I get home from work, I'm fucking tired. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for me to work, but if I can get up in the morning, you know, my, this is what I do. I wake up, get caught at six 30 in the morning, get coffee, take a bong rip. And I write for like two hours. Hell yeah. And like that's my zone. I'm in, mm-hmm. I don't, don't fuck with me. No, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way. If I've come the end of the day, if I didn't get that in, dude, I just, I don't feel good. I'm not who I want to be. Um, yeah. And it's even so simple to break it down. I remember when I first three years, three years ago, when I first started writing um, some, you know, on a Reddit thread or some thread somewhere, someone said they're like writing a novel is as easy as just writing 250 words a day. Yeah. And it's like in eight months you have a book. And I'm like, it really kind of is that easy when you think about it. Right. Cause the mm-hmm. idea of a novel is so overwhelming and you, I'm looking at like, you know, infinite gesture or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. But at the end of the day, if you just do it every day or just you get to it, like you said, it'll mm-hmm. get done. Yeah, it will. It, it really, it's, it's just, it's a matter of how bad you want it because, you know, I mean, yeah, at the same time, nobody, nobody is waiting with, you know, bated breath for, me to put out a book you know like (laughs) nobody gives a damn so it's got to like all that motivation has got to come for from you internally and and like the way you describe that kind of that that's that feeling of just like it's got to happen i'm the exact same way i'm the exact same way but i I don't do it before work um because yeah i I gotta set aside the whole day for it but but you always find everybody finds their own like you know, rhythm. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. So you're the kind of dude like you can, not like a frantic writer, but you can, you or just do these large bursts of like six, seven hours at a time, like these chunks of time. Yeah. Yeah. Just Saturdays and Sundays. I just, I, I wake up early and just go until exhaustion, you know, and like, I'll be taking notes and maybe doing some editing after, after the day job in the afternoons. But, um, I, I don't get any good writing done. And yeah. half the time, it's just like it's just like to keep ideas fresh, keep things moving. But then, yeah. you know, my notes will have piled up over the week and just crap crack open the notebook. And I got my list, my kind of to do list. It's like got to write this scene, this scene. Got to go back and fix this. And you know, I I I, I'm, I take uh, like a, a lot of lists for you know what I got to get done over a weekend. You know, I'm. I'm like uh like uh, neurotically organized yeah it's, it so. sounds like we're playing an accordion and you're squeezed in and i'm pulled out <laughs> yeah but <laughs> i mean we all have our different way of going about well, it that's and what it is no yeah. right way to do it but it's it's the, the hardest part is figuring out what works best for you yeah you know no, and not. so yeah um and uh i'm but it, i'm just really fucking really really happy that i figured it out like this is this works for me it'd be a hell of a lot nicer to not have to you know go i I work at an office and not anymore but like you know very corporate kind of gig and so uh be nice not to have to do that during Uh, the week but you know at the same time i'm still 
lucky as hell to like have figured out this this particular rhythm for this time in my life and i you know i'm picking shit like it's just it yeah really- yeah uh, well, I mean, I got. I mean, are you? I mean, you know, are you, you dating anyone? I mean, how do you? You have that yeah. much time on the weekends? I mean, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever lets you yeah. on the weekend. Well, it it has been a point of contention here and there. Um, uh, yeah, smoking ciggies and drinking straight. <laughs> I blow out the window. I blow out the window. She's very. She's. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to cut back, but she gets it, and, um, and yeah, but it, it's interesting that you you say that because we're like, it has kind of, you know, been a point of contention because it's like, you know, you're not doing, you can't, I can't make weekend plans with you. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I mean, and, and the, no the best way was, uh, uh, no, dude, I don't do brunch. I, <laughs> I don't brunch, man. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I, you know, I got, I got work to do. Enjoy your mimosas, but like, <laughs> um, you know, that'd be nice one day, but Eddie, but yeah. Um, and trying to, you know, explain this to her because it's, it, it's hard, you know, you can't, you like, and I have to kind of, you know, shut her out. And sometimes she'll say, like, hi, how's it going? And, and, and I'll like, you know, get snapped out of a moment and be, like a jerk almost because I'm just like, God, what? And and that's not cool either. And so like, I got to just, you know, compose myself, but, um, but yeah, really trying to yeah manage time and emotions and all of that. It's, it's, it's tricky, but it's, it's also, it's also doable, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I, you know, um, Dude, I I shouldn't be going into personal stuff. I'm just I'm just like really comfortable and uh, it's get, you know it's getting close to my bedtime out here, man. Like, yeah, like I, like I'm I joke I'm the most fighting. I'm the most single dude in San Francisco. I fucking yeah. I own a dog walking business. I work alone in the woods with no other human beings. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm trying to write a book. Uh, I, I mean, I'm like the most lonely dude there, not in a bad, not in a bad way. It's just yeah, reality. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm so like you. You've used the word grateful a lot in this podcast. I'm very grateful for the time I have right now, and I'm utilizing it because if I do meet some girl and those mimosas start pouring and shit like that, there goes you know that time to get shit done. Um, yeah, yeah, no, but it's what it is. Uh, I mean, yeah, trust me. Like, I mean, I enjoy in the evening. Well, yeah, I'm just a little. Wait, you're you're East Coast time, right? It's what? Eight yeah, it's, yeah. I'm three hours uh, behind you. I'm still coffee and weed time. It'll be yeah. soon enough for me. But dude, <laughs> dude, what a blast, man! Thanks so much for taking the time to talk uh, to us. It was a lot of fun. Thank oh, you yeah, so much for having me. On. I, I always ask two questions at the end. Um, first being, uh, do you do social media, Twitter, Instagram, anything like that? Where can people get in touch? Yeah, I'm uh. uh Instagram, it's just j.aguanzon, G-U-A-N-Z-O-N. And then and my uh, and then I also got a website too. It's just, you know, not a whole lot on there, but it's jacobguanzon.com. Okay, cool. Um, and also, um, I know you're a New York dude. Uh, what bookstores you like, like to rep? Where should people buy your books at? Uh, Greenlight. I, I really like Greenlight. I love... Um, Oh God! What is, um, Jesus Christ! I'm look. I'm a shitty New Yorker. Uh, Harlem bookstores. I mean, you know, I I haven't lived there for ten years. I have no idea. Yeah, uh, Harlem. We'll edit this part. 
pretend like you know it. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, <laughs> literally. Yeah, thank you so much because there's literally <laughs> one. I'm, like, let me look it up super quick because they like they don't have the best selection, but I should definitely give them. Well, a they didn't have your they, book, dude. I don't. I honestly don't think so, and I don't um, care because don't know they, you, know, you know they're know, just like. Well, I don't know if you know. Um, his book just came out like three weeks ago. Uh, Mateo Scarapore, his book uh, Black Buck. I don't know if you've um, heard of it, but um, he's been you know he's super super active on Instagram and all that shit. And he's been just blowing up his Instagram stories like every single bookstore you can find in the country. He just goes to it and like takes videos of his, you know, book in the window. And then he takes a photo. He's like, yeah, shit. And, you know, starts freaking out. Uh, yeah. What did you find? Who, who can you shout out? Okay. So should you ask the question again? Or no, are you, should is, I just. I'm not ending any of this. So no, we're just going to. You bastard. What it are, is. You <laughs> are you serious? Are you serious? God damn. Who we shout out? Who we shouting out? Yeah, we got to we got to shout out to Sisters Uptown Bookstore. Yeah, okay. And and uh, Revolution Books on Malcolm X. So, oh, okay. they're both definitely. they're both up here in Harlem and they deserve your patronage. Yeah. All right, I'm into it. Jacob, do you want to bla- Oh, and also the the last question obviously. Uh what's the name of your book? Abundance. Yeah. All right, Jacob, dude. Love it, man. Enjoy the rest of your night, man. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a Most lot of fun. When you ever come to San Francisco, I'll buy you a drink. Don't worry. All right, likewise. <laughs> or here in New York, uh, whatever. <laughs> Peace, Enjoy the man. night, dude. Later. Peace.